and uh, we will again be reading verses 7 and 8 as we did last week we're going to pick up where we left off last week as I said to you I'm I'm trying to work on putting together a um, a Bible study that you can use and uh, I think I know it has been effective and I think it will continue to be effective if put to use even here in uh, North America amen I the Word of God works the Word of God works amen if we're willing to use it and we learn how to use it amen it will work praise God hallelujah Amen. Mark chapter 7 and verses 7 and 8. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. Amen. Amen. In vain... They worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Laying aside God's commandments so that they can hold to their traditions. Ah, what a description of the day and age in which we live. Amen. It is is what we are up against as we seek to win people to the truth. Amen. The biggest enemy of truth is tradition. It's tradition. Things that people have accepted as the truth because they've always believed it. Amen. But uh, we talked about last week and it's important that we remember that we should always seek to let God be true. And every man a liar. Praise God. We'll talk more about that perhaps in just a few moments. But uh, last week we introduced this, what I thought at the time would be just lesson one. Uh, we're calling the importance of the word. I'm, I'm reconsidering that. I'm thinking about breaking this into two lessons when you use it and uh, actually, actually calling last week's portion of it uh, truth versus tradition. That's what we talked about. And uh, then this week, uh, dealing with what may become lesson two in this Bible study, the importance of the word. But for now, because we gave that title last week, we'll call this the importance of the word part two. We'll get it all worked out when we finally get it all put together for your sake. But the title is not that important. What's important is the content that we're going to be discussing tonight. Amen. Would you put your Bibles down? Let's ask the Lord to speak to us tonight. Everybody, let's talk to the Lord together right now. Jesus, we need you. God, we come before you asking you once again for the touch of the Holy Ghost to rest upon us. Asking you, God, that you would help us, O Lord. God, as we pursue the truths that are found in your word. God, grant to the people enlightenment, God. Open their minds, open their hearts, open their understanding. Let them grasp what it is that I've tried to convey tonight. God, that I feel that you have put upon my heart to convey. 
Help us, O oh Lord God, I pray, that we might become fully equipped to do the job that is set before us. Lord God, many souls are lost and in need of truth. God, we have to take that truth to them. Help us, O oh Lord Jesus, I pray. We thank you now in Jesus' name. Can we just worship him together, everyone? Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Praise God. Come on, let's praise him a little bit. Let's praise him a little bit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Just very quickly, some things that we talked about in the last lesson that are important for us. Amen. Important for us to understand and comprehend. Amen. First of all, we, we discussed the fact that it is possible that a person can believe with all of their heart that they are saved and yet find out on judgment day that they are lost. Amen. None of us, none of us want to fall into that category. And so we've got to do whatever is necessary to make sure uh, that we are indeed saved according to the scripture. Amen. Not based on what someone told us, but on what the Bible says. We, we also learned last week that the reason that this is true, the reason that some people will be so convinced they're saved that they're even willing to argue with God about the fact. Amen. The reason for this is because they have come to accept certain traditions that actually contradict Bible truths. Amen. We talked about just some of the uh, somewhat insignificant um, traditions that have been handed down uh, and how that they are so contrary to the scripture and then pointed out to you that if that's true of small matters, could it not also be true of very important matters? And I believe that it is. And so because of this, we must recognize that any time one of our traditions is contrary to the scripture, we have to reject our tradition and accept the Bible. Amen. We said to you last week and we say again, this is true even if the overwhelming majority of people have come to accept some tradition that's contrary to the scripture. God does not work off of popular vote. Amen. But the word of God is always true even if nobody believes it. Amen. Amen, amen. And so, and so let us move on tonight. Let us, let us talk about some things tonight. Now, last week in the lesson, we talked to you about those that would stand on judgment day and argue with God about the condition of their soul. That they would say to him, Lord, we've prophesied in your name. We have, we have performed mighty works in your name. And yet he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Now that is Matthew chapter 7, ending with verse 23. We want to pick up now, open your Bibles, it's Bible study time. We want to pick up with verse number 24. And, uh, and, and look at what Jesus said caused these people 
to be lost. Why he said he never knew them and that they were workers of iniquity. That's a strong thing to say. And especially when these people, by their own admission, were prophesying, they were, they were performing miracles, they were doing good works. And yet Jesus said what they were working was iniquity. Why would he say that? Well, let's look at it. Amen. Picking up now with verse 24, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Let's read. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock and the rain descended. All right, hang on just a minute. Let's, uh, this is Matthew chapter seven, Matthew chapter seven, verse 24. Let's, let's, let's get the right one up here so we can follow along. Matthew seven. There we go. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, everyone say, and doeth them, and doeth them, and doeth them. That's key. He hears these sayings and he does what he hears. This is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. Verse 25. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not. But that house did not fall. For it was founded because upon it a rock. was founded upon a rock. Now we're going to talk about what that rock was in a minute. Let's look now to verse twenty-six. The second man that is brought into this discussion. And everyone that heareth these, everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them and not, doeth them not, shall be likened now, to a now, fool. Now, now, hang on. These two verses, verse uh, verse number twenty-four and verse twenty-six, start out the same. The story begins the same. There is a man who hears the Lord's sayings. In both examples, the men heard the word of God. But with the first one, he hears these sayings of mine and doeth them. With the second one, he hears these sayings of mine and doeth them not. He is like a foolish man which built his house who upon built sand. his house upon sand and the rain descended the rain descends and the floods came floods come the winds blow the winds blow beat upon that they house. beat on the house same scenario same thing happens to both men but the result of what happened is different and it fell it fell this house fell and great, was, and the great was the fall of it. Now, two men, both of them hear the word of God. One has a house that withstands the tests of time. The other's house collapses. What's the difference between the two men? One's built on a rock. One's built on the sand. But the only difference that Jesus gives us to tell what is what would distinguish between solid rock and shifting sand, it all hinges on whether or not they obeyed what they heard. It's about obeying the word of God. Listen, what I want to stress to you tonight in this portion of the lesson is just how important the word of God is. Amen. We see very clearly that the difference between being wise and being a fool is whether or not you obey the word of God. 
not traditions, but the word of God. It's not enough to know it. I can, I can tell you of individuals that I've talked to that say, I know what I need to do. I'm not doing it, but I know what I need to do. Well, I'm glad you know. But knowing is not enough. Knowing is not going to save you. Just because you know what to do is not enough. You've got to obey what you know. You've got to do what the word of God says. The problem is that many people have been led around by their traditions and they are doing what tradition tells them to do. But they've never done what the word of God tells them to do. So I submit to you in the context of this story, it's not just about wisdom versus folly. But when you tie this in with the verses before it, there were men saying, Lord, we are saved. And he's saying, no, you're not. And so to explain this story, he then tells them about the wise man and the foolish man. This is not just a matter of wisdom and folly. It's a matter of salvation and rejection. Amen. I'm telling you that your salvation hinges on your obedience to what the word of God says. Not what tradition has taught you, but what the word of God tells you. That's what's going to determine whether you are saved or lost. So, so how do we determine whether what we're doing is tradition or whether it's really truth? How do we make this distinction in our minds? Well, first of all, there are some things that we need to establish uh, that will help us to determine truth over tradition. And, and, and really, more importantly, truth over error. Let, let's, let's talk about it. John chapter 17 and verse 17, Jesus makes a very simple yet profound statement. Sanctify them Sanctify them. Truth. Through thy, or, or the word sanctify means set apart. Set them apart through thy truth. Thy word is truth. This, my brothers and sisters, is the definition of truth. C can we agree on that? Truth is defined as whatever's written in the word of God. Not what's been practiced down through the centuries. Not what the majority of Christian religions are doing. But what the word of God says. That's what determines what is truth. Right. It's not what's given in a denominational handbook. It's not what the Pope tells us. It's not what the big uh, mega church pastor tells us. It's not what the TV evangelist tells us. It's what the word of God tells us. It's not even what mama told us or grandma told us. It's what the word of God tells us. That's what determines what is truth. Amen. The word of God is the only source of absolute truth. I'm telling you, if it's written in this book, it's right. It's right. I don't care who believes it. I don't care who argues against it. It's right. Amen. And so we, we have got to develop a profound respect for the word of God. If we really want to be saved, we must learn to understand how important this book is. 
Amen. You see, the word of God is extremely important to us for two reasons. First of all, we're going to be judged by the word of God. John chapter 12 and verse 48. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth, hath one that judgeth him. The word, the word that, I have, that I have spoken, the same shall that's judge what's going to day. judge him in the last day. So how are we going to be judged? We're going to be judged according to the word of God. Not according to popular opinion, not according to tradition, not according to what the majority of denominations do. We're going to be judged by what the word of God says. Is anybody out there tonight? We're going to be judged by what the word of God says. Amen. In fact, we see this actually happening. Revelation chapter 20, verses 12 to 15. Read. And I saw the dead. All right. John is witnessing the great white throne judgment. I saw the dead. Small and great. Small and great. Stand before God. Stand before God. And the books were and the, and the And the books, plural, were opened. Read. And another book. And another book, singular, was opened. Which is the book. Which is the of book life. of life. Now, now listen, when I talk to folks, tradition says, as long as your name's in the book of life, you're saved. But I'm here to tell you the book of life is not the only book that's going to be opened on judgment day. That's not the only book that's going to be opened on judgment day. It's important that your name is in the book of life. But that's not the only book that will be open. He said, when I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, the books, plural, were opened. And another book, singular, was opened, which is the book of life. And what happened? And the dead and were the judged, dead out, of were those judged out of those things which were written, which were written, in, written the in the Not the dead are judged by whether or not their name is in the book. That's right. But they are judged based on the things that are written in the books. According to their According works. According to their works. All right, now, now, let me just tell you, here's what's happening. When God, when God sets up that day of judgment, he is going to open up the 66 books that we call the Bible. And he's going to look at your life, and he's going to examine your life, and he's going to compare your life to what's written in this book. And if you didn't obey what's written in the 66 books of the Bible, you're going to be judged based on whether or not you obeyed these books. Now, if your name's not in the book of life, it's not really going to matter much what you did, right? Because here's what he said. Let's read on. Verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and, the, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were, they were judged, judged every, every man, man according, according to their, to their works. works. And Somebody death. said works don't matter. Well, it sure sounds like to me they matter. Read. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second. And verse 15. And whosoever, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast, was cast into the lake of fire. So, so yes, it is crucial that your name's in that book of life. But I'm going to tell you to every one of us, even those of us sitting on this pew, it's not enough that our name is written in the book of life. 
but we've got to be ordering our lives in such a way that they are obeying everything that God wants us to do. We've got a mandate from heaven. There's a reason why there's not just one verse in the Bible that tells you how to get saved. There's a reason why there are a lot more books in the New Testament telling you how to stay saved than there are telling you how to get saved. Because you're going to be judged based on what's written in these books. Now that's the first reason why the word of God's important to us. We're going to be judged based on the word of God. The second reason why is because Jesus Christ is the word of God. John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, In the beginning was, the, was word. the Word. The Word was the with word God. The Word was with God and the Word, the was, word God. was God. And verse 14. And the Word was made the flesh. The Word was made flesh. Dwelt among, dwelt us, among us. And we, we beheld, beheld His glory. His glory, glory, glory the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Full, full, of, full of grace and truth. truth. So we know that Jesus Christ became the living, breathing, walking, talking Word of God. But what's written in this book is him. From Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, it's him. That's why he's Alpha, he's Omega. He's the beginning, he's the end. The tabernacle in the wilderness wasn't about tents and animals, it was about Christ. Well, hallelujah, I'm telling you, everything that was written in this book, it was all about him. He is the word of God. And so how can we disobey his word, which means we're disobeying him and still be saved? The word of God is important to us. Now, the apostle John gave us the final directive on how to discern between truth and error. And this is what he said in 1 John chapter 4, verse 6. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. All right. Now, this is important because, you know, a lot of churches claim to be using the word of God. But God gave us a simple little test on how we can tell whether what they're telling us is right or not. Very simple test. John said, he that knows God listens to us. John was one of the apostles. So he said, this is how we know. If they're really of God, they listen to what the apostles said. If they won't listen to what the apostles said, they're not of God. And he said, this is how we know whether it's the spirit of truth or the spirit of error. It all hinges on whether or not it lines up with what the apostles told us. Well, hallelujah. So let them quote their scripture. Take it to the book of Acts and look and see, does it match what the apostles preached? Does it line up with what the apostles did? See, we abbreviated it as just the, the book of Acts. But you know what the real name of that book is? It's the acts or actions of the apostles. That's what that book is all about. John said, here's how you know what's true. Go back to Acts and see what's recorded there. 
You've got to find out what's written in the book of Acts, line up your doctrine against the doctrine that was preached in Acts, and then you'll know whether it's truth or whether it's error. It's not that complicated. It's not that hard. In fact, you know, one of the main rules of Bible interpretation is out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Whatever you're going to set as a doctrine, you need to have at least two witnesses, preferably three witnesses before you establish that doctrine. So here I am telling you that the only way you can know what is truth and what is error is lining up with the apostles. Do I have a second witness for that? Oh yes I do. John wasn't the only one to make this statement. The apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 1 verses 8 and 9. But though we But though we Now wait, wait, wait. Here is that that pronoun again. John said, he that knoweth God heareth us. Paul said, but though we, Paul is an apostle. I mean, a big part of the book of Acts is following the life of Paul. And this is the Acts of the apostles. Paul was an apostle. But though we, that is the apostles, or an angel from heaven preach any, preach other, gospel any other gospel to you than that which, we, than that which we, the apostles, have already preached to you. Let him be Let accursed. that man be accursed. Or literally in the Greek, let him be cut off. You don't send your tithes and offerings to him. Yeah. You don't pump his show into your house. You don't listen to him on the radio. Let him be accursed. Oh yeah. Cut off. If he's not preaching what the apostle. In fact, Paul felt so strongly about this that just saying it one time didn't seem sufficient. He said it in verse 8 and then the very next verse, what does he say? As we said before. As we said before. So say I, so now, say I again. now again. If any man if any Preach any other any gospel, other gospel unto you, unto that, you, you that what you received, let, him be, let him be accursed. Paul said saying it once is not enough. I've got to make sure you get this. There is no other message outside of what we, the apostles, preached. That's it. Any other message is cursed by God. Hallelujah. And so it is important. In fact, it is imperative. It is essential that we take the time to get our Bibles down and find out what the apostles preached. Now we, we plan to, to kind of point you in that direction in the next lesson, the Lord willing. So we're not going to get into that tonight. But I am going to tell you that it is so essential that you get your Bible down, that you do some study, that you do some reading, and you find out what the apostles preached. I want to just say to you right now, right up front, that, that it would be good for you to get your Bible and find how many times the apostles told people to accept the Lord as their personal Savior. 
Search the book of Acts and record every time that they told people to accept the Lord as their personal Savior. Well, hallelujah. Write them all down. Make a list of every scripture where they say that. And when you're finished, you know what you're going to have? An empty piece of paper. Because there's not one time the apostles ever said, accept the Lord as your personal Savior. And yet there are millions of preachers that are telling people to do exactly that. Where did they get that from? They didn't get it from the apostles. The apostles never preached any message like that. The apostles never said those words. And if the apostles never told anyone that that's what they had to do to be saved, why are we telling people that? When Paul said any other message is cursed by God. God's not blessing that message. God's not using that message because that message is in direct violation to what Bible says tells us is the spirit of truth the spirit of truth is whatever the apostles preached whatever they said that's truth and they never said to accept Christ as their as your savior well hallelujah they never said it amen so you need to find out what they did say what did they tell sinners to do? How did they tell people to be saved? What did they say about the subject of baptism? What did they say about the subject of speaking in other tongues? We need to know what the apostles, not what churches believe, but what did the apostles say? Because that is the factor that determines whether it's truth or error. Praise God. And so tonight, I, I, and I know this, this part of the study hasn't been as long as last week's. But, but let me just summarize what I'm telling you tonight. What I'm trying to convey in these last two lessons is simply that it is in, eternally important to us that we reject traditional teachings in favor of scriptural truths. Let's get back to the Bible. Let's get back to the Bible. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12 says this. There's a way, there's a way right that a seems right to a man. But the, end thereof but the way the that seems death. right to a man ends up in death. I'm here to tell you tonight, you can't just go on what sounds good to you. You can't just go on what the majority believe. In fact, Jesus said that this way is straight and narrow and there would be few that would find the right way. But he said many are going to find the way to destruction. What's the way to destruction? Proverbs tells us the way that seems right to man. I'm not here to preach to you tonight about what seems right to me or seems right to a denomination or seems right to a fellowship or seems right to an organization. I'm here to tell you what seems right to God. And 
that we know what seems right to him by what's written in his word, specifically by what his apostles preach to us. And I ask you tonight, is the way you're going right? Or does it just seem right? It's easy to get trapped into tradition when we do something only because it seems right. Hallelujah. We can't just rely on what seems right. We can't just rely on what we think, what we feel, what we believe, what we were told by some preacher or by some relatives or what we read in a book. This is too important. We only get one chance. We only get one chance at life. We've got to do it right this time. For this is our only time. Hallelujah. It's not about whether or not you're a good person. It's not about whether or not you've committed murder. See, I have people tell me, well, I've never committed murder. Well, I've never cheated on my wife. Well, I, not that, that's not what we're talking What we're talking about is have you obeyed the word of God? Have you done what the apostles told you to do? Are you still doing what the apostles told us to do? As I said a while ago, they, they, there's only one book where they tell sinners how to get saved, but there's a whole lot of books that tell us how to stay saved. And it was the apostles that told us these things. Are you still doing what the apostles taught us to do? Are you still obeying the, the teachings of these men that God put his approval on? Or are you just doing what seems to be right to you? Amen. Jesus gave this command. Amen. If you'll come to the piano, I'm finished. Jesus gave this command in John chapter 5 and verse 39. Here's what he said. Search the scriptures. Search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. Search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life and they are they, they are which, they testify, which testify of, of me. me there is a command given us by jesus himself not let somebody else explain the scriptures to you but search the scriptures when you get to judgment day you can't point your finger well that preacher lied to me well that person told me something wrong you can't point your finger at them you've got a bible You've got a Bible. It's important that you search the scriptures. And that you find out the truth that will save your soul. Let's stand and lift our hands to the Lord, everybody. Let's talk to him right now, can we? Let's talk to him. Let's talk to him. Come on, everybody. Come on, everybody. 
Lord, I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to be deceived. I want to know the truth. I want to find the truth as it's recorded in your word. I want to obey the truth. Hallelujah. Oh, God, open my eyes. Let me see it. Let me know it. Let me comprehend it. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, saints of God, if we can take these two lessons, show somebody that they cannot build their experience with God on their traditions and then show them that what they have to do is follow the teachings of the apostles. We have just set the stage. But we know what the apostles taught. We know the things that they said. When you point them to the apostles, there's no getting around what real true doctrine is. Nowhere in the scriptures did the apostles baptize saying Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It's, it's, not, it's not in the scriptures. It just doesn't exist. And yet John said, this is how we know truth from error. Does it line up with what the apostles said? Does it line up with what the apostles did? Well, they didn't baptize saying Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. They didn't tell people to accept the Lord as your Savior. They didn't tell people to join a church. They didn't tell people to kiss the Pope's ring. They didn't let people kneel before them. They refused that. They rejected that. When people called them gods on earth, they said, no, 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 we're men just like you are. Well, we got to get back to what the apostles said. Get back to what they taught. If we want church like they had church, we're going to have to do what they did. We're going to have to preach what they preached. We're going to have to live what they lived. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And he is no respecter of person. I'm telling you, he'll give us the same results he gave them. If we'll do what they did. We want to be apostolic? Do we really want to be apostolic? You know, one of the things they did is they went from house to house. Breaking bread. Continuing in the apostles' doctrine. We want to be apostolic? All of a sudden the worship died down. Do we want to be apostolic? 
Maybe we need to visit a few houses and take the apostles' message into those homes. Well, maybe we need to look for a few opportunities to share with somebody exactly what the apostles taught. That's apostolic. That's apostolic. Praise God. Let's praise him one more time. Come on, let's worship him. Let's worship him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I know you're standing. Real quick, I want you to get your Bible. You know, they, they tell you, they, they tell you that perfect vision is 2020. Right? That's what they say, 2020. That's perfect vision. We're saying that the way we know what the apostles preached and taught and did is by reading the book of Acts. Why don't we go to Acts 20, 20 and just see what the apostles say in their 2020 vision. Acts 20 and 20, this is not on the list of scriptures, but let's, let's see what it says. Read, read for me, Acts 20, 20. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but Get have showed you. I've showed you. And have taught, taught you, you publicly, publicly and, and from house to house. From house to house. That's perfect vision. There's the public telling which happens at church. But there's also the telling that goes on from house to house. Now there's perfect vision. Hallelujah. Perfect vision is being able to see. See, that's why there's two numbers here. 2020. It, it's 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 all. Uh, you, you've got distance. You've got you've got what's close up. We've got to be able to have that kind of vision, where we understand we need to get them to church, but there's some folks we got to go to them, telling them publicly and house to house. I want perfect vision. How about you? How about you? Why don't we gather around the front tonight? Amen. Let's talk to the Lord for just a few minutes. Just gather around and stand if you would. Lift your hands to the Lord. Let's ask him to give us.